Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. Oh, those classy operatic sounds tell you that you're back at Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship. I am joined by the operatically intense and operatically fabulous Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Hello, Mark. Whoa. Is that part of what we're talking about today? No. Am I ever going to stop with that? Also, no. <laughs> just Should we all just accept it as our fate for the rest of time? Yes. <laughs> See? Um, hello. Welcome to episode five of the Record of the Year showdown on Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. In case you've just arrived... It's episode five, but it's actually the first episode of the round of 32. Basically, we're taking every record of the year winner ever, except the most recent one. Uh, We will get to her. And we are deciding which one is the best or the least bad, depending on how you look at it, of all time. Um, It's sort of like a March Madness bracket, but we decided to dispense with like rankings and regions and stuff like that and just go in chronological order to start with. But now, as we enter the round of 32, we are discussing the songs that made it through the first round between 1959 and 1990. And we're going in alphabetical order by song title. Does this make any sense? Is it a system so much as, do you want to do it this way? Yes, sure, great. Probably. But if you become a patron at patreon.com slash not only do you get to vote on all of this stuff, but you get to um, maybe help shape our organizational, quote, plans. <laughs> so... We encourage you to do that. Um, There's also a Discord available for you Patreons, and we love talking to you on that. But it's time to start talking about songs. Mark, are you emotionally prepared to begin another cull in the round of 32? Okay, I will say, as I said to you before we started to record, I woke up this morning thinking about this episode. I'm wicked excited about it, not least because on Patreon... The people who have commented as they've been voting for this round of 32 have had such funny things to say on the Discord. The comments have been so funny on our social media channels. So the community is making it even more enjoyable. But also, Sarah, this is the first group of episodes here in the round of 32 where I feel like I started having to make hard choices. Yes. Because it like, especially in... The first bracket, the first 16 winners, there was so much chaff and so little wheat that I was like, burn them all. (laughs) But now I am not going to be able to move forward with songs that I genuinely love and respect. And uh, that is the delicious sweet pain that I signed up for by God. I it really there were a couple of picks, especially in this um, in this round that we're talking about today that i felt like i should send an apology note to a couple of these artists like i i mean i still love your song but i can only pick eight um just a reminder before we get started in this round um we will continue to just do up down scoring which means 
if we are passing it through, it gets two points. And if we're not, it gets zero. Um, so Mark votes. I vote. The Patreon supporters also vote. And that's how that scoring works. Um, Mark and I are also ranking these like first to 16th just for our own um, anal retentive satisfaction. And also because sometimes there's a bunch of ties and you have to start somewhere with these numbers. So that's how we do it. Yep. And so I, I, another way of putting it is if this were like a more traditional March Mastis bracket, these would be the champions from brackets one and two. We've got 16 of them. Our top eight will move forward into the sweet 16. Enough setup. Let's dive in and see which songs got points from me, which songs got points from Sarah, and which songs got points from patrons, which, again, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash mastis. Now, Sarah, our first song this week is Aquarius slash Let the Sun Shine In by The Fifth Dimension. Uh, it did sail on through, unlike the other Fifth Dimension song from last time, which was the execrable Up, Up, and Away. Uh, I continue to be delighted that we've got a musical theater hit in here, but for me, this was an easy cut. I did not pass this forward into the next round. There are just so many songs that compared to this are better for me, speak more powerfully to me. And I will say, if we were talking about the cast recording from the Broadway revival of the mid-aughts, I actually might have moved this song through, but we're not because those stingers were so incredible and that production was so crisp. But this, to me, is just a song I like but do not adore the way I adore some of the others. I thought that this would be the case for me as well. I thought that this would probably settle at a respectable but not particularly productive 11th. (laughs) Um, And this is just one of those times when, like, it really depends on when you do your prep. Yeah, like that is what true. You're, what you've been thinking, what else you've been listening to, um, what mood you are in or want to be in. Um, so this ended up at my number three spot, and Ooh. it got two points. I think my cheese is going to be standing alone here and at many other junctures. But yeah, I'm I'm passing this one through. All right, you are the only person to have done so, uh, but let me assure you, I'm going to be over here on Lone Cheese Boulevard myself a few times, and uh, that's just how it goes. And listen, Lone Cheese Boulevard, which is which uh, is an aisle in the saddest Trader Joe's. Oh no! <laughs> what I think it is is you know, in Back to the Future, when it starts out as Twin Pines Mall, <laughs> and then he runs over the pine, and it's Lone Pine Lone- Mall when he comes back. <laughs> Bone cheese mall. Um, so the Patreons were not having it with Aquarians or Sunshine. Okay. I just hold on. I just had an image of Marty McFly shoving individually uh, wrapped pieces of Kraft American cheese into some sort of flux capacitor. Like you have to put in 88 pieces of American cheese before you get this thing to go back to the future. Yeah, or he's trying to fend off Biff with like a um, <laughs> a leaf blower that is set up to fire those little um, baby bell cheeses. <laughs> and Biff is just like eating them as they fly at him. And he's like, this is good. This is waxy, but it's pretty good. Make <laughs> like, like a tree and give me a cheese sandwich. Oh, my God. Well, um, well that's one listeners. way to get Biff thank you to for beat it. <laughs> 
Thank you, listeners, for staying with us. We know most of you have now stopped the episode. But uh, (laughs) this was once again when we lost everything again. (laughs) Okay, so we come now to beat it. I will say, Sarah, uh, the patrons did give this song two points. They did move it through in their top eight. And I'm curious to know if you did. I certainly did. It's my number one in this section. We don't have a clip for it, at least this time, because we had a clip for it last time. And P.S., Good time to note that um, we're not necessarily digging in as deep on certain songs, and we're not necessarily clipping songs twice, but sometimes we are. It's our podcast. You just never know. <laughs> uh, so we don't have a clip of Beat It because we don't really need one. But yeah, I just, this song is absolutely irresistible and a titan of construction, and there was no question that it was going through for me. And you know, I... Uh... I know that obviously Michael Jackson's legacy has been deeply, deeply tarnished by Ooh, his, yeah. I think, undeniable sexual abuse of children. Like, there's just no way of getting around that. And yet, I, I just feel like I, I don't, I'm not saying I will ever be able to listen to this song again without thinking about those things. Of course, that's true. But at the same time, this song is just, I think, objectively brilliant. And mm, uh, yeah. I I can't argue with what it's doing. Like, I I just, I, I don't, there's, I, I cannot reconcile those two things. And I don't think that this podcast or anything else in my life will ever allow me to do so. But I also am moving this song forward. It was number five for me overall. And that is a straight six. Everyone agrees. Beat it goes on. Okay, moving on to Betty Davis Eyes, which I think we spoke of at length and quite fondly when it first appeared in uh, in the season, but uh, we did not have a clip at that time. We do have a clip Ooh. today. Here, here it is now. She's precocious and she knows. This song and the sort of progression of what the Casio is doing, like you forget that it's actually quite complex. Um, And there's also this uh, like this wonderful, unique vocal from Kim Carnes. There's this uh, sense of her own delight in what she's doing and what she's making. And it's, I think you may have said this last time about Betty Davis eyes that it's very of its time, but not dated. It doesn't feel old. Um, And I would love to keep talking about it, but I have to go find a roller rink right fucking now. Well, another thing I was remembering uh, just even listening to this clip is the pop-up video for this song. Which Uh included this tidbit where Betty Davis apparently contacted Kim Carnes to say, you have made me a hero in the eyes of my grandchildren and I thank you. Oh, yeah. Such a fun fact. 
for whatever reason, that is just one of the most salient pop-up video facts I ever saw. Another uh-huh. one was that Mariah Carey's nickname in high school was Mirage because she was never there. <laughs> Ask me anything. <laughs> but I just They really, didn't know her. <laughs> uh, I just really like the fact that, that this song, when it was released, was also about something that was uh, older but timeless, which was Betty Davis's uh, allure, also the allure of all old Hollywood uh, actresses. And now it is itself an old but timeless thing. Uh So it's a palimpsest at this point of that type of perpetually adored memory. Palimpsest. How many podcasts just bust that word out, people? (laughs) But it's it's the right word. So I just really love it for that reason. I mean, I love it um, in a more visceral way, too, that doesn't require a term paper but the fact that the song also provides <laughs> grist for that type of thinking mill if you will is uh really delightful to me so it was an easy move forward for me it was number four for me overall mine uh, too yeah hey and the patrons also moved the song forward so that's uh two straight sixes in a row and wow. uh i believe sarah that we've also got a clip for our next song some of you may have heard of it um, it's it's kind of like the forgotten track here. This is Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon Garfunkel. Who? It, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, well, Simon, I think, actually invented that game where you try to remember songs and color, sounds and colors in order. <laughs> he did. And um, he's very wealthy, but he um, generously partnered um, with Shut Up and Garfunkel. Um, just kidding. Uh I did pull a clip of this because I wasn't sure how far this one was really going to get for everyone else, but I quoted this on my yearbook page and it was this verse. Let's have a listen to Mr. Garfunkel leaving every goddamn thing on the field. I mean, on the one hand, settle down. But on the other hand, I've lived with this song my whole life. Um, By the way, I apologize. I think several of our listeners and happy hour attendees could have done with a content warning before we started talking about this song. So I apologize and I hope that you will duck back in as we move down down the list of songs. But I just think this is a... A wonderful song, melodramatic, oversung, like there's occasionally what sounds like a bomb going off in the background, like it just needs to take all the things off, and yet I I love it, and it is completely, it completely has the courage of its convictions, and I think that it works. I think that it um, is very ambitious and succeeds, and we talked about this song a lot in previous episodes, plural, so I won't belabor the point, but this one is moving on for me. What do you think? I will say that, to me, this song never stops sounding majestic. Mm, Yeah. And 
it it has a lot of pomp and circumstance going on there at the end, but it builds to it so beautifully. And the slow accretion of power is one of the reasons yes. that the song is so effective. It comes in at a one, it goes out at a twelve. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> Yeah, it does. And as recently as, so we're recording this on a Thursday, as recently as this Sunday, I was in a room with someone who was going to do something that they were very anxious about later in the week. And I was thinking about how this song would be a great thing to say to her. And I find that the lyrics of this song, because they are about friendship, Despite the addition of the third verse, which is nominally about Paul Simon's wife, this song was written initially in the spirit of friendship. And I just love that it exists because having an ode to the friends that you will show up for is so helpful for me in processing my emotional relationships. (laughs) Like, it's just sometimes this song is what I mean. And I'm just so glad that it exists. And it manages to be very specific and yet also incredibly universal. And his singing, Art Garfunkel's singing, is so just heartfelt and elegant and also technically perfect. It's It somehow manages to be excellently executed but feel spontaneous it's just the whole thing is like a miracle of music to me and it was my number one in this bracket hands down it was my number two um yeah i think that the form also reflects the function especially in this verse where it begins with the harmony between the two of them and i've thought a lot over the years and written a few times about how their partnership works and how um they the the whole of them is greater than the sum of the pair sometimes. Yeah. Um, not that they don't work well on their own, particularly Mr. Paul Simon, inventor of Simon. Just kidding. He wasn't. But um, yeah, this um, that this song is about that friendship and support. And then what's happening is that Paul Simon starts this verse in harmony with Art Garfunkel and then it's like, okay, you're going to hit these fucking crazy notes and give yourself a polyp while we're recording this take. And I'm just going to be here yeah, playing other instruments and watching you do what you do so well. Great. Not to mention the fact that like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down is such a fucking beautiful image. And I know that Paul Simon was inspired by a blues musician whose name I have forgotten to write that line and eventually gave that blues musician a check to, mm-hmm. to thank him. So, and I know that Paul Simon is really good at acknowledging the sources of his music. And I also would like to note that the patrons acknowledged how good this song is. They also moved it through to the next round. So that's yet another straight six. That's three straight sixes in a row. Sarah. Wow. So, um, <laughs> My cheese's ass is starting to feel the breeze in some upcoming <laughs> songs. <laughs> oh. So Paul Simon returns immediately now with his solo winner for Record of the Year, Graceland, title song from the album Graceland. I, Sarah, do love this song. It is very good, but I could not say yes to all three Paul Simon adjacent songs moving forward, so I didn't move this one forward. I put it at number nine. I had it at number 10. Um, I felt 
like a bad citizen of the culture a little bit, but like this is the life that we have chosen, you and I <laughs> and our our listeners. Um, when we have to make these choices, like this is one of those songs, and there's another one like this or another couple like this in this particular round that like in the first round I was struck by how much better and more complex and compelling they were than I had remembered them before I had to prep them the way that we do. But that didn't quite sustain in this round in a couple of instances. And Graceland is one of them. Like it's a brilliant song. It's a deserving winner. It's not in my top eight. Um, So I don't know what the listeners chose to do, but it sounds like this one is perhaps not moving on. Well, the patrons did put it through. So it's they the patrons are a little bit of cheese standing all alone mm. by the Mississippi Delta, which is shining like a national guitar. Mm. Uh, and so that is two points for Graceland. It's the cheese of my first marriage. Yeah, okay. <laughs> my traveling companion is cheese years old. <laughs> what? Oh, nine breeze old. <laughs> oh, there We've it is. Gotta stop. Yes. Um, yes. He is the Gruyere of my first marriage. Okay. <laughs> fondue okay um (laughs) shall we move on Uh, to a (laughs) to a clip from our next entry hotel california because i have a feeling this one isn't moving on so i thought that we should clip it and then i would talk a little bit about why i actually did vote it through barely here's a clip mark prop your eyelids open with toothpicks here come the eagles forget who that is on guitar it's either timothy oh, i always forget his last name or bernie that other guy um i don't think it's joe walsh uh i like the eagles a lot more than you do but there's something about the um surreal sort of ghost story this the narrator has checked into a hotel in another dimension and can't leave and or is like at some sort of Alhambra institution where um, like time has ceased to exist and he can't return to the mortal plane. And uh, that clip is one of the instances that um, sort of gives me evidence for that crackpot theory. Um, ever since hearing it for the first time, I was sort of attracted to the admittedly basic cheesy self-regarding um like symbology of this song which is too long overplayed overpraised like i get it no one who doesn't care about it is wrong but it was my number eight song and i did give it two points well listen i'm not actually mad at hotel california (laughs) it's, it's honestly like i don't get mad at any of the eagle songs i just don't get much of anything right exactly yeah 
And I wouldn't be, I'm not sad when I inevitably hear this playing at a seaside bar in Florida mm-hmm. and someone is bringing me a plate of conch fritters while a Hotel California comes whipping through the speakers or even more likely a man in a tight fitting over his belly Hawaiian shirt yes. is singing this song at a mic while sitting on a stool in this seaside florida bar yes while accompanying himself on the ukulele oh sure (laughs) i think i've been to this bar and like the drinks all come in plastic cups Mm -hmm. that have the name of the bar stamped on the side but the stamp is a little off kilter like it's like a few degrees to the right so it's like slightly slanted and they were like uh we're not repaying for that it's fine point being i clearly have not mustered up enough excitement to move this song along but you know really in this group of songs even when beneath my wings i don't hate it i'm just like i'm just not gonna move this on so you are the eagle cheese on this uh <laughs> okay. the, the patrons also chose not to move it forward declined to um check out the hotel california on trivago got it now I will oh Trivago. Ooh. Yeah. I will say I feel like that with our next song, it's possible that I alone uh chose not to move it forward. We'll see in a second. But this is It's Too Late by the undeniably brilliant Carol King, who was born on February 9th, which is the day that we are recording this. So happy birthday, Carol. You're brilliant. Uh, but for me, it's too late. Again, the great song. Not sorry to hear it, but it just doesn't excite me quite as much as some of the other tracks that we're discussing today. So it is my number eleven overall, and that's just that's just something's gotta something's gotta give. And I decided that Carol King could give. But uh, Sarah, how did you feel? Um, I put it at number five, so I am moving it on. Um, I would not be surprised to learn that my cheese is standing alone. On that, and if the listeners did move it through, I I would actually be a little bit surprised. But the fact is, I was a little surprised at where it ended up ranking for me. I think, once again, this is just one of those, like, uh, ask me to re-rank these tomorrow, and it's gonna the list is going to look different things. But, I mean, I, I have a really strong association with and fondness for that song based on childhood listening, much like Bridge Over Troubled Water. And I couldn't, like, it just stayed at the top in a way that I didn't expect. Um, and I'm not mad about it. So, but it sounds like the listeners agreed. Well, before I tell you that, I must make this joke. Will you still rank me? tomorrow also a song by carol king thank Mm -hmm. you um (laughs) yes the listeners agreed with you sarah they are also moving it on okay our first four our first four um yeah so i i will take the take the goose egg on that and Mm -hmm. i will uh still be happy to listen to it when you all play it in your veranda uh, off of your veranda and i'm downstairs sweeping up leaves or whatever (laughs) I don't think we actually have a goose egg yet, do we? No, we do not. Will that change with our next song? 
Killing Me Softly with his song is Roberta Flack's entry. You might recall that she did win the award two years running uh, in back in the 70s, but this is the only one of her songs that made it forward to this round. Um, Sarah, I will tell you that the patrons did not opt to move Roberta Flack's Killing Me Softly with his song to the next round, but I wonder if you did. I didn't. This was towards the bottom for me. Um, there's just something about Roberta Flack's work that I don't connect with. I'm not sure why. Uh, I don't like it, but this is sort of like you with the Eagles. Like, I just, like, I'm not offended. I don't need to leave the room. It's not a Cars for Kids ad. <laughs> um, I'm not lunging for the mute button by any means. I think she has a beautiful instrument, but I think I said this about both her and a George Benson track in a previous episode that it's like, sometimes I feel like the instrument and the arrangement are not, um, the tumblers are not falling into a place in a way that will unlock my heart. So, um, nothing is happening to me with this song. I'm afraid. What about you? It is moving on for me. Ah, I, I will admit that this is largely because of the Fugees, I think. Sure. Uh, Their cover of this song is the one that I actually really, really know to the point that when I listen to Roberta Flack's version, I keep wanting Wyclef to go one time, one time. (laughs) Yeah. But that being said, I really like this song and Roberta Flack is the first one who made it into a hit. And I also like her version, the Fugees version, though it does add Wyclef's call and response section uh is very faithful to what roberta flax version sounds like so when i listen to it it sounds like something i know it's something i like i really do enjoy the lyrical conceit of the song although this is not an award for songwriting which would have gone to Lori lieberman who wrote the song but i just like all i like all of the elements of it so much and i do think that Roberta Flack's smooth jazz stylings are well suited to this particular kind of elegant heartbreak. Mm. Uh, Velvet heartbreak, I guess you could say. Sure. So that is two points for me, meaning that I am cheesing me softly with his cheese. uh, (laughs) Something like that. Uh, I heard he had some good brie. I heard he had a wheel. So then I took a cracker and spread it out. How do you feel? (laughs) For real. This is my finest work. Thank you. I'll be on SNL soon. Anyway, that is uh, two points from me. So I think it's interesting that we've made it through half of these songs and all of them have at least two points. Yeah, I'm not sure how much longer that's going to be true, but I thought that like five songs ago. I know. Will we have any goose eggs today? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Love Will Keep Us Together is one of those songs that I was talking about earlier that like I was struck by how um, much denser it was to think about, I guess, um, in the last round that I'd expected. But that wasn't quite enough for me this time. It was number 11 for me and it didn't go through. What about you? Okay. I also felt the same. In fact, it is number 10 for me. Mm -hmm. We both clearly feel similarly about it. Very happy to hear it. And since we recorded the episode in which we originally discussed this song, I have watched on Paramount Plus a documentary on soft rock called Mm -hmm. Sometimes When We Touch, which Sarah and I both agree it's ridiculous we were not called to appear appear in this film. Oh, shit. What the hell? 
But it's really um, very entertaining. It's like basically three behind the music episodes strung together. But Tony Tennille is the best part of the whole series. And she talks so openly about how Daryl Dragon, probably because he was on the autism spectrum, was never able to show her any kind of love or affection. So she was singing all of these love songs for him and sometimes (laughs) even writing these love songs about him. But they were always songs that were pleading to him to show her a little affection so that just adds this extra interesting layer the song is so happy and poppy and obviously it was written by neil sadaka and not tony Tennille, but whatever but it, it the, the story underneath it is very different and i like that it's interesting but that being said i still did not move it through just because again something's got to go in the middle but yeah. sarah no goose eggs yet because oh, the wow. patrons did give it two points okay all right. So um, love will keep them a cheesing. Yeah. Uh, Cam and Bear will keep them together. Um, Mac the Cheese Knife is our next song. Um, it will not surprise you to learn that I did not move it through. Um, but I have two clips for this song because um, I was looking through my Apple Music library for a clip of this. I thought I had the original. I didn't. All I had was a Jerry Orbach huh. sings off-Broadway hits version of it. Sure, why not? Um, so I clipped similar sequences from both Bobby Darren's and Jerry Orbach's because I was struck by um, how much better Bobby Darren's particular take on it is for the song. Um, I mean, I love Jerry Orbach very much, but it this is a bad... <laughs> This is a bad rendition. So I just wanted to have like a Bobby Darren um, musical phrasing appreciation moment. So here's that first <laughs> clip. I will get you 10 old Mackies back in town. Not to hear about Louis Miller. He disappeared, babe. After drawing out all his hard earned cash. And now Maggie spins. I mean, he he really has such a wonderful voice, and that arrangement is like it's kind of too much. But then when you hear this one, you really appreciate everything that um, the Bobby Darren backing orchestra is doing uh, to make this a little less uh, labored and a little more pacey. Mm. Um, So, uh, Jerry, we love you. Please don't hit me with a lightning bolt. But um, this is everything that could go wrong and kind of did. Maggie spends like a sailor. Did our boy do something rash? Suki Tawdry, Jenny Diver. Like we should not hear your breathing. <laughs> he's really str- he's really stretching every note. Yeah. And it's it's not exactly the arrangement. Like if you listen to the whole thing, there are some um, pronunciations that are very 
musical theater over training, like just trying to get through a long note and try to keep it from becoming like static. And I'm, you know, very sympathetic and compassionate and I'm not a good singer, but it's like, this is not, this is not a um, happy marriage of um, Orbach and material. So um, I don't really care for this song. As I said, the last time it's not my favorite Bobby Darren and I didn't pass it through, but I did want to note um, that what Bobby Darren does with it is extremely professional and advise it. So that's where I'm at with it. What did everybody else do? Well, I appreciate you for reminding us that Jerry Orbach started his career as a song and dance man. Mm-hmm. And for those who are listening who might not know, uh, before Law and Order, before Dirty Dancing, before even Beauty and the Beast, he spent decades as a bright light of the musical theater scene in New York. So look that up if you would like to be delighted by the range of one Mr. Jerry Orbach. Now, I am sitting, as we speak, under a vintage poster from the 70s from the Falmouth, Massachusetts Playhouse. Falmouth is summer theater. Uh, and in July of whatever 70s year this was, he was in Six Rooms Riverview, the hilarious comedy hit, direct from Broadway. Yes. And Hell the, yes. the collar of the shirt he has on um, has its own congressman. So that's where that was. Um, look, nothing but respect for Orbach. But like I said, not not a good pairing, him and the, the opera of Three Pennies. So the patrons agreed with you. They did not give the song any points they did not move it forward but for me it was number three overall wow yeah you you love a murder ballad i just love a murder ballad i (laughs) love this murder ballad as i know i talked about last time i think that bobby darren works magic on this song i just adore his panache and i think it really suits the murderous uh pleasure that mckeith takes in killing people it just is perfectly bouncy and sinister. Therefore, I did move it through. Two points from me. So we are now Guys. all the way at song number 10. That's 10 songs that have at least two points. So, Sarah, I'm going to tell you what. I'm keeping it going because Moon River is my number two. I have really come to fully embrace through our work in these many years of this podcast how much I love the song moon river i think it is beautiful it is melancholy perfectly distilled it creates the phrase my huckleberry friend that means nothing yet means Mm -hmm. everything if sung well like it is by andy williams in the version that won the grammy and like it was by of course judy garland as i always mention it is i think so heartbreaking and so wistful and it's just a beautiful song so that is why i also give this song Two points. However, the patrons did not agree with me. So whether or not Moon Cheese River is where I am swimming is up to you. Um, Some people say the moon is made of green cheese. I disagree. Um, I also disagree that this shouldn't move on. It was my number six and I gave it two points. So we have another another four bagger at last. Um, I'm because it's just like. Oh, I just think it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, timeless classic. And there's something about when that first, I don't know what instrument it is. I believe it's a clarinet. That just sort of plaintive, like plangent, first melodic 
entrance of the clarinet before the vocal even starts is like, it just takes you to a physical place involving Spanish moss. And yes. I love it for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I resisted this in myself. And then I was like, the thing is that I am my own grandfather. Let's just get, <laughs> let's just get on with it. Okay. <laughs> you are eating dietetic candies in a cardigan as we speak. <laughs> Literally true. Um. Okay. So, I suspect, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to suspect. I'm just going to state. Currently, Mrs. Robinson, the third and final entry from Monsieur Paul Simon on this list, once again joined by Monsieur Garfunkel, uh, it received two points from the patrons and it received two points from me. I put it at number seven in my overall list. So that's at least a sweet fourzy for this song from the soundtrack to The Graduate that also reached number one on the Hot 100. And that... Though it does not have the majesty of Bridge Over Troubled Water, does have some of that signature Simon and Garfunkel wit in it. There, This song is playful and dumb, but also uh, sometimes kind of dark. And there's just a lot going on in this song that's easy to ignore if you just want to enjoy the fantastic melody, which sometimes I do. And that's one of the treats of the best Simon and Garfunkel songs is they give you six or seven entry points. And I love this song for that. That's why I moved it on. And I suspect it's why the patrons moved it on as well. Sarah Bunting, are you trying to seduce me? Well, no, because that wouldn't work. And it would be weird. <laughs> for a couple of reasons, yes. Yeah, for for a couple of reasons. Um, Not that you're not emin- eminently seducible. But uh, yeah, it just missed for me. And I I love this song. I feel um, bad that I am not promoting a song with Cuckoo Kachoo. <laughs> In the lyrics, um, you know, this movie is wonderful. The performance of Mrs. Robinson and her perfect gray streak of hair was wonderful. Um, this is a, this, like, the build of this song is great, but... As you've been saying, like someone had to be number 12 and somehow that was Mrs. Robinson when I prepped this. Um, But yeah, like I've got no I've got no kick with the song. Uh, We'll see what happens as we as we end up scoring these things. But um, yeah, didn't quite make it for me. And we've reached the age now where we look back at the graduate and we realize that Anne Bancroft was like 26 years old when she played oh, when she played Mrs. God. Robinson. You're like, oh my god! Yes, and that I would still I would like break into that set and steal every single thing that she's wearing and most of the um like set elements as well, like that standing lighter with the tortoise shell on it. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Would go into plastics just to afford that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's a 4Z, ultimately, mm-hmm. for Mrs. Robinson. Okay, 12 out of these songs, 12 of these songs, all 12 so far, have gotten at least two points, which I think tells you that the strength of this bracket is clear. Yeah. Right? Like, there are no, um, there were so many goose eggs in the first few brackets, but <laughs> <Yeah>. not anymore. <laughs> um, now, I will say, I don't I don't know where we're going to land with with Toto, but I do believe we have a clip of Rosanna, if I'm not mistaken. We do. Let's hear it now. Rosanna, 
I mean, it's just doing everything. It's doing everything. Like, I didn't vote for it. It was my number 13 song, so it's not going through for me. But I just wanted to pull that clip because it's not like they didn't do everything in their power, everything that they could think of to be like, Sarah D. Bunting, love us. Love, (laughs) love, love me. Love me, the song, Rosanna. It's like, you know what? I... I like Toto a lot. I love that it wasn't really about Rosanna Arquette, but she just like went with it. She just like was like, oh, we're doing a bit. Cool. Um, (laughs) And I won't be mad if it gets through. But in case it didn't, I just wanted to pull that clip and be like, they left everything on the field and then they ate the field. Like, (laughs) that's exactly a lot of cocaine. And I'm kind of okay with it. I have to say, I also did not put the song through, but hearing that clip, I'm like, damn, that song is good, though. It's like, did I fuck up? I know. Like, was I over here trying to get too cute with Mac the Knife when it should have been Rosanna? (laughs) (laughs) But this is our first goose egg, Sarah. So it truly is the end of the line for Toto. But we honor you, Toto, session musicians who made good. Um, And every single one of them just... (laughs) went nuts on the solo in this song and i respect i I salute you good luck god God bless and keep you sirs now we also have a clip for theme from ein zomer place yeah um this is actually a theme from the ventures version the ventures are probably best known for doing the original theme to hawaii 50 um but i bought their entire like LPs worth. I mean, it was a CD, but whatever. They did like a lot of covers of songs from the early to like all the way through the 60s. And um, it's kind of wonderful. And this is the version that I associate with the summer place. So I just wanted to give this an airing since I had a feeling this was going to be another goose egg. Here's a clip from the Ventures cover of Theme from a Summer Place. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Is that a Hammond organ on the theremin setting? I don't know if that's actually a thing that exists, but let's go with yes. Um, So I salute the Ventures, and I will say this clattered around in the top half for a minute and barely missed my cutoff. I really like this song and find it very appealing for some nostalgic reasons but also i just think it's a sweet little song that's not trying to do too much and does what it does really well but i didn't quite put it through number nine for me yeah and this one i put in 15th but like Mm. that's not indicative of how i feel about it like i just i do like it quite a bit Mm -hmm. i really enjoyed listening to the ventures cover also sidebar there's a show i've been watching for work called the company you keep which stars milo ventimiglia as a 
as a con man who is dating a woman he doesn't realize is in the CIA. Oh, it's, yeah. it, it's one of those. But there is uh, a scene where he tries to give a cover identity by saying that he's a theremin player. So I just want to <laughs> note that's the second time this week that the theremin <laughs> has been invoked in my life. Uh, you never know where this crazy life will take you. It's true. Uh, it, it was a zero for me and from the listeners. So, yes, that's an unsurprising goose egg. I have to say... I think it's pretty cool that it made it out of round one. I'm glad that at least it gets to show itself twice because it is a song that people should listen to if they don't know it already. And I think it was clear why that song was a hit because it's still good. Yeah, um, it's very I think the build of it is very durable. So the original one is very sort of like saccharine strings, but then the ventures are able to edge it up a little bit and it still works as what it is. Yeah, totally. Um. I don't, th- I think it's going to be the opposite of a goose egg um, for this next song. What's love got to do with it by Tina Turner. We don't have a clip. I don't think we need one. And I think the math here is probably pretty easy, but maybe I'm wrong. I chucked this through at number seven. What about you? I put it at number six. It was a no brainer. Like there was no question that it was going to be in my top eight. It was just a question of where Yeah. Um, the patrons also, this was actually the patrons number one. Mm. They got yep. more. They voted for. They got more votes than any other song. I suspect that we're going to see what's love got to do with it doing quite well for additional rounds in yep. this tournament Agreed. as well. Agreed. Uh, yeah, I mean, because we're going to have other opportunities to talk about it. I'm almost like we can put a pin in that because we're definitely coming back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I Ugh. also think if you were to just look at the numbers, you might already know what happens with our last song. But Sarah, what what's last? Um, Wind Beneath My Wings by number 16, which is why I pulled a clip. Um, I just... Also my number 16, I will add. I mean, whatever. We we already talked about this. Um, I love Bette Midler just like as a cultural force, but I have struggled for over three decades to understand what in the um, cheesy fuck is happening happening with this vocal like what was the conversation like with the control room here's a clip you are the wind beneath my warm-ups time I want to commend you. You really did pick the most self-indulgent part of that song. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, do you think she thought that this was just like warm ups or they were like, let's just roll tape and see what happens. And then this was like the most usable. I mean, this sound, this is what red wine drunk right before you boot sounds like. (laughs) It's it's you, you, you. Oh and God! Then it's just like, like wow. It, no. This is this is also to me. You somehow have got one <laughs> pant leg rolled up. You've got your purse on the wrist of the hand that is holding the red wine. Mm-hmm. You don't know whose tiara this is. 
Like it's not even your birthday. You think it's from the girls down the hall. You don't it's know. A, it's on upside down, and you're basically wearing it as a pair of Jordy LaForge glasses. Yes. It's and yet you are good. also weeping as mm. you sing this. And you're like, you, you, you. And you're thinking about like your best friend Angie Roy Stacker from seventh grade. <laughs> And, you know, she got lupus and then you haven't seen her in a while and you're just like, weeping oh, I was going to go with was hit in the head with a automatic garage door. And um, <laughs> it's never quite right after that, because <laughs> just like your grandma, you've got to be like, she's just not right. right. <laughs> she burned off all of her eyelashes in a fire and. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you just don't know what's going to happen. Oh. You're, you're thinking so, about her. So no points then? I mean, I'd give this story two points. <laughs> I would pass this story through. <laughs> Angie, you're always in our hearts. We're sending our love down the well of cheese. But um, yeah, ooh, no. no. No, this is an omelet made of goose eggs for <laughs> When Beneath My Wings. <laughs> uh, okay, so oh Sarah, God. perhaps unsurprisingly, because we did have 13 of these songs score at least two points we are going to have to make one game time decision but let me go through our guaranteed uh winners of this week okay we've got seven songs that are clearly moving forward and they are as follows the straight sixes are beat it betty davis eyes bridge over troubled water and what's love got to do with it a solid quartet yep the foursies are carol king's it's too late um, Moon River and that's the, Mrs. That's a hell of a thing. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and Mrs. Robinson. And I think that the fours, it's the It's Too Late was you and the patrons. Moon River was me and you. And Mrs. Robinson was me and the patrons. So that's pretty right. cool. Uh, and then that means that we have to choose one of these twosies to uh, move forward. So we have Aquarius, Graceland, Hotel California, Killing Me Softly with his song, Love Will Keep Us Together, and Mac the Knife, all on the table. Okay, I think the way we've done this in the past is to feel like since the, to pick the Patreon's cheese that was standing alone. Yeah. Was there one like that? There were two, in fact. There were, we have um, Love Will Keep Us Together and Graceland and I'm going to say because we've already got two Paul Simon songs here I think we should go with Love Will Keep Us Together. Um where did you rank Love Will Keep Us Together? I put it 10th and I put Graceland 9th. Um I had Love Will Keep Us Together at 11th and Graceland 10th. Um <laughs> so that's So I don't think nothing. that's helpful but I also I, I agree with you. I think Love Will Keep Us Together is the better choice. Because again, if if like for if for some unfathomable reason no other Paul Simon adjacent song had made it through, clearly the choice would be different. But uh, Tony Tennille's sad marriage gets to live on its sham for another day. Yeah, I'm not mad at that. So just to no, recap, just to recap one last time, here are the songs from this round that will be moving on to the Sweet Sixteen. Ting Teen, uh, "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes, Bridge Over Troubled Water by Simon and Garfunkel, uh, It's Too Late by Carol King, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain and Tennille, Moon River by Henry Mancini with an uncredited vocal from Andy Williams, Mrs. Robinson by Simon and Garfunkel, and What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. A nice representation of decades, a nice representation of excellence. Uh, a nice representation of ladies also. Yeah. 
Listeners, just so you know, when we reach the Sweet 16, we are going to be going back to a traditional Masters format. We're going to be ranking everything. So we're going to be doing old style ranking moving forward. It's not just going to be up and down. Competition needs to be tougher because we're at the Sweet 16. So we look forward to learning which songs will make it uh, out of the next round half of the round of 32. And then we also look forward to seeing who will be the sweetest of the Sweet 16. And just a reminder uh, that you can be a part of the grammaticratic the grammocratic process or the grammaticratic process, whatever, part of the process of, of cheese selection. Put together your own cheese plate at patreon.com slash masters, and we really hope you will because your comments and your uh, reflections on these songs really um, add to my process and to Mark's. So uh, come on by. We'd love to have you. Same eyes blue, same white shirt, couple more tattoos. But it's not you, and it's not me. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Mark Blankenship. That's me, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. This podcast is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. And if you want to talk about songs, suggest a season theme, get a pop chart reading or customized playlist, or have a cocktail with us and your fellow listeners, then come on by our Patreon page at patreon.com slash where you'll find polls, happy hours, and tons of extra episodes and content. We're also at Talk Songs on Twitter, at Mastass Everywhere on Instagram, and Mastass.podcast on Facebook. Or just email us, talkaboutsongs at gmail.com. All that contact info will be in our show notes. Scroll down. Hope we'll be talking about songs with you soon. Thanks for listening. This was all we used to need. Tongue tied like we've never known. Telling those stories we already told. Because we don't say what we really mean. We're not who we used to be. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.